Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic, your favorite podcast from the Diocese of Sioux City. Um, just kidding, it could be drawn near by Fred and Kara, or I don't know if there's any other podcast from our diocese, but do you know any, Father Shane? I don't. Well, but here we are at Outcast Catholic. It's good to be with you, Father. We're still recording from uh, Conception. Been here all college. week. <laughs> just for the past 20 minutes when we recorded that last podcast, because we're still sitting here. Um, and it's just fun. It's fun sitting here. Uh, I'm excited to see some of the monks again here at the Abbey. Um, that I haven't seen for a few years, but this is kind of fun. So we're sitting here in the, um, we just grabbed one of the classrooms, the kind of choir room, and I just noticed across the way this Our Lady of Fatima statue, and it was it's kind of exciting because the last time I saw that, it was like two miles away from campus in, campus in the woods. Mm. So apparently... Was a scavenger hunt find? I don't know. In the 50s, Somebody put it out there and made a little shrine. Okay. And then I think wherever that was, it got kind of, I don't know, washed out or blown away. So some guys just found the statue kind of face down in the mud. So in my time, they cleaned it up. Well, whatever they did to clean it up kind of got blown over by a snowstorm or something. And my buddy and I, we kind of cleaned it up. Nice. So that's kind of fun to see the statue just kind of sitting over there. I really don't believe that when people find blessed statues like face down in the mud, I don't think that's, you know, by coincidence. Mm. I think by providence, you know, blessed objects tend to surface mm. and I think they fall into the right hands and, yeah. and they can, you know, inspire devout prayer yeah. in future hands. Yeah. You know, when it's, it's fun, a place like this that has had so much history with both the monastic community, and the seminary community in the same time, there was um, a seminarian years ago who tried to kind of refurbish this. I don't know if you've been out on the trail in the prairie before. No, um, there's a beautiful, it's a little too cold to do right now. It'd be fun to walk out there beautiful Marian shrine that was just built that was also kind of refurbished from around the probably the turn of the century when there was um one of the flus was so bad sure i don't, I don't know if it was the well, might have been the spanish flu probably um and i think it was one of those where they prayed for the protection of the mother of god so they established a little shrine out there it's currently the one that's on the maria lock island i think because they moved it in because it got broken okay there's a seminarian who was doing a lot of work to fix one up and then he ended up dying i think while he was still in seminary this is years before i was here okay alan brown was his name so then when i was here the knights of columbus we built a beautiful shrine to our lady of grace out there on the so it's just kind of cool to see the different generations of guys who've and this little fatima statue clearly from generations before us sure but then we have our own little um mark on the land here well it's nice that everyone can kind of contribute to the ongoing devotions of the place part of uh Part of my nostalgia here is remembering my, I fell in love with literature when I was here. Mm -hmm. So for those who don't know, uh, whether you enter college seminary or a pre-theology program before you go to major seminary where you study theology, you're studying philosophy. So I did um, you know, liberal arts, bachelor's education, majoring in philosophy. Um, so there's all the liberal arts classes, but philosophy is kind of your, your heavy topic, obviously, as a major. And... I hadn't been to a Catholic high school, and I don't know how much exposure you had to philosophy before seminary. Very little. Uh, it, it, it definitely takes a particular taste to acquire uh, philosophy. Right. Um, it's a different type of learning. I don't know if I was particularly academic in high school anyways, um, but especially philosophy. It's, it's dense reading, a lot of reading, right. a lot of a comprehension of reading so as to discuss in class and 
big ideas from centuries ago um, and then how those ideas build on other ideas. And it's a lot of ideas, very mm-hmm. abstract. It was tough the first couple of years. But then I took a class from Brother Jude, one of the monks here, who is um, just a literary buff. Uh, and he he can often just recite short stories, parts of short stories or poetry for memory. What a gift. Um, and yeah, and he's one time he did it in front of us and somebody asked him, oh, how often do you recite that poem to know? And he's, ah, that was the first time. Oh, <laughs> in his head. It's, it's wild. Yeah. Um, and he just reads so much, but I, I can't remember the particular class I took with him, but he said that literature is the narrative account of man's search for meaning. And that just made a lot of sense. Say that again for our listeners. Yeah, literature. So in, and by literature, right? We mean, um, the, the kind of the art of, of writing. So prose novels, poetry, literature is the narrative account of man's search for meaning Mm -hmm. man of course meaning humanity um but that narrative account so like the the story of man's search for meaning and i think that's playing off of uh victor frankel's man's search for meaning um the book where you know the the once uh um nazi prisoner i think in auschwitz or, Mm -hmm. or one of the concentration camps he survived and he realized that to survive this incredible horror of a concentration camp there has to be some understanding of meaning. So his uh, logo therapy that he developed afterwards was to really help people understand, well, what do I want? What's the meaning in my life? It goes back to our last episode mm-hmm. um, of discernment. Like, what do I actually want, right? What's the meaning in life? But that, that thought and that question of, well, what is the narrative account of man's search for meaning? How have men and women in different times, different places, shared their story of their searching for meaning in life? As Catholic seminarians, we, we saw a particular narrative through the Judeo-Christian scriptural tradition and through the liturgy, but it was exciting for me to take these different classes of poetry. Um, one of my favorite poets that we, we, we ended up finding, who's actually in the back of the Breviary Liturgy of the Hours, uh, is a Jesuit priest from the 1800s in England, Gerard Manley Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with this stuff? Oh, yes, a pupil of Newman's. That's Oh, your guy. Yeah. Right? I didn't, <laughs> he, was, he was actually taught by Newman? Um, I don't remember school of thought. I don't remember if he was actually taught by Newman, but he would have been a young student in the boarding house, I believe in Birmingham. Our listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, he would have been a student in the oratorian school system. Okay. I don't remember if he actually had Newman as a teacher. Mm. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, I loved it. Poetry. And we actually, I thought about this when we drove into the campus, which was very nostalgic again, like so many things. At one point, a couple of buddies, asked uh, Brother Jude if they could form a, a club to read poetry. And like the movie with uh, Robin Williams, Happy Memory, uh, the Dead Poet Society, mm-hmm. they, they started a, a group called the Dead Monk Society. Okay. And the first meeting, I wasn't there for the first year. It was held in the old chapel in the cemetery when you first drive in. Really? I don't really know if we were supposed to be in there. It's kind of structurally unsound and just has some like rakes and some gardening equipment. But okay. there's still an altar. It was the first, I think, chapel built um, on this property at one point, or that maybe that uh, is a memorial of one of the first buildings of the monastery. Nice. But there's an altar. So <laughs> we, we met in there at one time in like chairs and like lit some candles, you know, in the middle of the cemetery where literally the dead monks are mm-hmm. um, and just read poetry together and kind of engaged in that um, searching for meaning in this process of discernment for us. You know, it's through things like that, through reading literature, through taking some of these um, literature classes that I started to have that deeper desire for and hunger for meaning. 
And that's where philosophy then started to come alive. Right. That's where some of these other things we were studying started to come alive because so many other things are just a different account of man's search for meaning. Might not be the narrative account, right? The art started to come alive. Is it, is it the, uh, you know, musical account of man's search for meaning? Mm-hmm. I mean, is it the philosophical account of man's search for meaning? But I just wanted to share, um, I think, my favorite poem from Gerard Manley Hopkins because it, it really came alive for me in this space at Conception Abbey and Seminary mm-hmm. College. Um, and that's God's Grandeur by Gerard Manley Hopkins. Famous text. Might I read it for you? Please. And for our listeners. Dazzle us. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook foil. It gathers to a greatness like the ooze of oil crushed. Why do men then now not wreck his rod? Generations have trod, have trod, have trod. And all is seared with trade, bleared, smeared with toil. And wears man's smudge and shares man's smell. The soil is bare now, nor can foot feel being shod. And for all this, nature is never spent. There lives the dearest freshness deep down things. And though the last lights off the black west went, O morning, at the brown brink eastward springs, because the Holy Ghost over the bent world broods with warm breast and with ah, bright wings. God's grandeur, Gerard Minley Hopkins. You know, Hopkins really wasn't respected in his lifetime. Right. Um, these great poems just were posthumously after his death um, really distributed and, and people fell in love with him and he gained great literary acclaim. Um, but there's so much to say about a poem like that, not only the meaning, but even just how the words ring. Yeah. You know, there's a beautiful ring to poetry. Uh, there's a beautiful ring to the English language. Mm-hmm. And he, he chooses words that are just packed with vivid imagery. Uh, words like shook foil, oozing, seared. Um, you know, these, these, these words that just kind of evoke um, like maybe a sound of sizzling mm-hmm. or maybe a, a sense of comfort or a brightness in a flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, these words kind of almost elicit a... Uh, a multi-level sensory response on our part. Mm-hmm. And, and poetry captures all of that just in a few phrases. Um, we, we speak about how often you know, people feel outcast from their parish community, outcast from the church. And we're entering a time in human history in which people are not outcast to just scrolling through endless you know, TikTok videos or social media trends. But they're becoming very outcast to understanding the, the fruits of Western civilization, especially when it comes to literature. Right. You know, how many hours have we spent on our phones or looking at social media or endless YouTube videos when we could have sat down and, and looked at some of the classics, even just to take 10 minutes to read a poem by Hopkins or some of the other great uh, literary figures and to let these words kind of just inspire the soul, evoke new images, and and let us just see God's grandeur all around us as right. tried as captured and in, in so many uh, you know, authors have tried to do right. in their own poems. Yeah, this goes back to what Sister Carolyn said when we spoke with her. Well, maybe it was in the podcast that wasn't uh, that was corrupted. Yeah, never, we did have never. that one corrupt file. Just talking about um, what is really going to satisfy the deepest desires of my heart. Um, it's not going to be TikTok, turns out. Um, I don't know. Maybe we thought it was. Nope. Uh, no, it's not. And so people, it's like, People have been asking these deep questions about what is the meaning of like the world of my life? How am I dealing with 
myself in the context of this planet? Uh, what what am I made for? Like, and how am I struggling through that experience of deciding what to do, discerning, like we talked about last podcast, last episode, um, and these treasures of culture that are found in these narrative accounts, right, in poetry and prose and novels. These help us engage those same questions because they're mm-hmm. the same questions that are like at the at the deepest part of our humanity, mm-hmm. at the deepest part of our soul, at that deepest part of like we were made in the image and likeness of God, but through the concupiscence of original sin, we're struggling in this tension all of the time. But, to, but, but between like choosing to follow God with our whole heart and choosing to follow, follow ourselves, right? Um, and there's just these moments and these. Uh, I think it was William Woodsworth, the uh, r- romantic poet who said that poetry is a a momentary stay in confusion (coughs) and so especially now in a world of just like a cacophony of sound and of just stuff constantly flying around happening a momentary stay a calm a breath like a, a an actual deep thought in the midst of confusion and i'm really preaching to myself right now because i'm being drawn back into being here that place i fell in love with poetry and this this depth that comes with reading a poem, reading it again. So listening to a poem on a podcast is not enough. Please just type in God's grandeur and read it out loud to yourself mm-hmm. a couple times. And it almost starts to become a, a certain Lexio Divina of, um, of the human heart. So a, as we might do with scripture, where we read scripture and see how God's speaking to us through it. Um, Pull it up again. Yeah, there you go. Pull it up again, because as you're talking, you know, there's, you just mentioned that it's important to re- kind of read these things out loud. Yeah. You can read them, you know, but there's something about the way the, the, the words ringing that it hits your ears, mm-hmm. you know, the eyes are reading the words and the brain is comprehending that, but the way that even the voice vocalizes the, mm-hmm. the, the sounds and the way the ears, you know, receive that, you know, it gathers to a greatness like the ooze of oil crushed. Why do men then not now wreck his rod? Generations have trod, have trod, have trod, and all is seared with trade, bleared, smeared with toil. You know, just the consonants and how those ring, uh, it, it does something, you know, I'm no psychologist, but it does something to the brain, and it, and it evokes kind of a, uh, a response yeah. that does something towards truth and beauty. As does a good storyteller. Right. And, and in some ways, as does our liturgy when celebrated well, right, it like it evokes this hungry searching part of our human heart. And it actually gives like some satisfaction there and makes us crave for something more. Right. Which is really exciting. Um, yeah. So that's just an invitation. I, I, I mentioned that before, I think, once with short stories with Flannery O'Connor. Um, I want more of that in my life. I want more poetry. I want more uh, of this narrative account of man's search for meaning because it stirs up in me that desire to look for like the logos itself, right? Logos means meaning um, or word. And Jesus is the, the satisfaction of all of these restless searching for, for meaning in the world. Um, and I just want to mention this is what's beautiful about this poem, I think in particular for uh, those who feel outcast today. I think they're the, the last like kind of visage of, finding meaning is that we, we have some connection, vis- visceral connection with nature. Mm-hmm. Even when you go out to the beautiful um, hiking trails of Colorado, Montana, when you see the mountains, when you see the ocean for the first time, when you see um, 
even even like August, like we were talking in Iowa with the tasseled corn that's kind of blowing in the wind, there's a visceral reaction to the beauty that's present in nature. But what I love Hopkins does here in this poem is that he, he takes it to what's beneath that and what's that doing in me. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, well, let me take a selfie with the cool sunset. Right. Or let me take a picture for Instagram. Let me actually allow this creation to affect me mm-hmm. as one of a, another member of creation, right? As one who is created by the same creator. So I just love this. And for all this nature is never spent. There lives the dearest freshness deep down things. The dearest freshness deep down things. And then it talks about how the Holy Spirit is over this bent world and, and is brooding like a hen with a warm breast and with ah bright wings. So it's like the, the creation that's unfolding in front of us and beautiful, the rolling hills of Missouri, or as I look out these windows when I would see the sunrise over the hills all the time, or the beautiful trail, or in the mountains when I was in Colorado, or when you see the ocean. What that stirs in us is the Holy Spirit who's brooding in a good way, like a hen, who's keeping all of that creation kind of in, in his care um, and who's drawing us deeper into a relationship with him. So often our experience with nature is like, oh, that's cool. That's nice. Or people often use that as the excuse for not coming to church. Well, I find God a nature father in the, in the deer stand or mm-hmm. good, awesome. Like let it take it something deeper though, right? Because it's supposed to evoke in us that there's a desire for something eternal, right? That the sunsets don't last, the beautiful leaves on the trees don't last. Uh, the beautiful tassels on the corn, those, those go away. We pull up the, the plants. Um, what is lasting and what is eternal? Well, that's the same Holy Spirit who's been brooding over creation. Beautiful. Beautiful thoughts. Um, it, it reminds me of just yesterday's first reading from the Book of Wisdom, right? The Old Testament passage that speaks about all of those who found kind of uh, beauties surrounding them in fire, wind, earthly elements, and made them gods. And yet the biblical author points to them and says, but they did not go further mm. to find the artisan behind those elements of beauty. They allowed themselves to be captivated by the things themselves, but did not take the, the next step mm. towards the creator, towards the author of all that is, towards the one who knows what is the very essence of those deepest down fresh things. Mm. Um, you know, scripture scripture captures that, uh, even on, on metaphysical levels. Mm-hmm. You know, to say there's there's deeper realities here that meets that's more than meeting the eye in this moment, uh, and poetry can elicit that as can literature. So I, I would hope some of our listeners, you know, you know, pull back from the electronic uh, media that's always surrounding us, to pull back from just watching sports, and to dive back into some of those gems. Mm-hmm. You know, a five or ten minute reading of poetry reading some short stories that you could um, even just download or, or pick up at a local library. Uh, and if you're more, a little more ambitious, going back to that classic, you know, literary composition called the novel. Yeah. <laughs> and just, just even reading like five pages a night, um, what that does to kind of spark the images of the imagination, how new vocabulary or just kind of returning towards old ca- vocabulary uh, helps to kind of stimulate things in the brain, gets new right. insights going and leading us to to pointing towards deeper things that these authors and these poets have been trying to portray, have been trying to elicit out of their their audience members as a response, mm. the deeper levels of, of things. 
I'm preaching to myself because I'm really bad at this. And as a sanguine um, who just likes to stay kind of active and just like doing stuff all the time, it's hard to downshift. Sure. And it's easy to stay just kind of like stimulated and engaged. But the moments that I have, and that's why I'm being more encouraged to do this myself, the moments that I have where you do kind of downshift, and there's an, an initial moment of uncomfortability of not like staying uh, kind of stimulated and just like turning the TV on or doing the next thing or listening to the next thing. There's this like, yeah, a deep like relishing in the goodness that's present there. That like, and it's almost um, it's like if you've tried if if you if you taste something brand new that you've never tasted before. I remember the first time I tasted huckleberries. It's a unique taste. Sure, if you've never had them, it's not like blueberries. It's sure. it's unique, right? Sure. So it's like oh, oh, that's that's good. That's good. Like I've never tried that before. Tantalizing. Yeah. So it does it in the same way too. I think there's a part a part deep within us that's it's like there's a, a goodness that's tasted mm-hmm. that, that might not have been before. Beautiful so thoughts. you want to start with the poem, Gerard Manley Hopkins, uh, God's grandeur. Beautiful reflections. It's good to kind of walk down memory lane. Some of the fruits of your education and the things that have really sparked uh, a deeper intellectual and even a spiritual response on your part. Um, good, good reflections. Good to be with you today. Thanks everybody. And uh, read some good poetry. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.